When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tim Miller, our second week in a row. I'm so excited to see you again. <laughs> Good to see you too, Christine. I know, a lot going on. First of all, I have to start with some industry news. So Super Mario Brothers, okay, the movie is going to be, it's already, it's in its second week. It's topping a massive $830 million worldwide after this huge opening weekend. And an impressive second weekend that, you know, exceeded expectations. It looks certain that the Nintendo video game adaption, I remember Mario Brothers because my daughter was like eight and she had that contraption and, you know, will hit a billion dollars as the top contender for the highest grossing film of 2023 by the end of the year. What say you about this? What do you say about it? Well, I mean, you know, movies are for... uh... You know, for kids too. Um, I mean, I you know. I, well, the kids go the, the, to the ticket the parent buys. Well, yeah, but and and I think it also appeals to, I think college age kids, uh, well, students and uh, and even older. Like you said, your daughter played them. My my kids played uh, Mario Brothers too, and they're in their thirties now. I don't know if they would be all gung ho to see. I can Mario tell you, my Brothers. daughter's thirty-five. There's no way she'd go to that movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen it, and I have no interest in seeing it. Although, given its success, I might have to force myself to go. But you know, and, I almost don't want to go on purpose yeah. because I think it's also an indictment of the times in which we live. Yeah. You know, we're going to talk about that too when we get down to some of these other films we were going to chat about. Yeah. It's like, if you look at, you know, really a billion dollars and what, yeah. I, you know, it's like, you know how you the movies are always rated by like, you know, um, parent guidance or PG or G. Right, right. I think they should also be rated on, based on their worth, like some sort of, <laughs> um, you know, what I mean, value yeah. does it bring to your life to spend two hours watching this? Yeah, but the problem with that is, uh, I mean, I think that that's a, you know, that would be a fun way of, of uh, rating things. I guess that's what critics do, though, is that they let people know, at least in their opinion, what, uh, you know, what a movie's worth. Of course, you know, one reason why that wouldn't work as far as having like almost like one official stamp is look at how we we uh uh you and I disagreed on air the last time we talked so who gets to make the decision on you know I mean on what what the official word By the way, is. just so everybody knows I think there were four emails that came in that said Christine get over yourself <laughs> really why well I think that you know my part of my disdain was because of my personal disdain for Nike. And what you're bringing up is so critical to that point of view, which is 
I was there for entertainment. I, I, I was not there to make a judgment call on Nike. Yeah, but you know what? It it um we all bring something to the table, you know, and and we talked a little bit about this last time too, is that there's no reason why you shouldn't be. I don't think well, my, uh, my bias you're out of line at all. Right. At least I'm aware of my bias. Like I think when you're not aware of your bias and then you have these opinions and it's like, where did that come from? Yeah. But the other thing is, I think it would be okay. Maybe we should start doing that. Right? We should be. We should have a value rating on everything we t- review because there is this piece of me that thinks my time is my most precious commodity. Yeah. Don't you want to spend it watching things that are going to either uplift you or move you or inform yeah. you or you know something? I don't see how Mario can do that. I yeah. Well, again, it's you know, it's it's not my cup of tea. Perhaps because I'm not 12 years old, but <laughs> but uh, I, I know what you mean though because I just uh, I just saw a movie last night, Evil Dead Rises, and I haven't written about it Why yet. Why would you even turn that on? I don't even know. Well, I, I mean, I actually went to the theater to see it. Um, I saw I saw it because um, um, because I go see almost everything. I knew you were going to say that. You know, and and. Um, you know, I thought, you know, uh, I would, I don't mind horror movies. I mean, I, you know, if it really does give you a jolt, there's an attraction to it. The downside is that so often they let me down because, you know, it's very, you know, psychos are in the exorcist movies like that are few and far between. So thank uh, God, thank God is all I can say. Oh, uh, well, I love those two films. I know you do. I, I, Look, I loved, uh, well, I didn't see Psycho, but I, you know, I definitely, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. By the way, it's perfectly in to the film you wanted to do, Renfield. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I thought I would give, you know, and I, and I, you know, I'm like, we were going to talk about a bunch of other stuff, but I did go see it. Okay. Oh, you did? Oh, good. Yeah. Well, I saw the first 15 minutes. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and by the way, walking out of films is very new for me. There was, you know, for. I mean, I'm, you know, well on my way to in decades. And until the last five years, I never walked out of a film. But anyway. You did this time? I did, yeah. I I thought that the lead-in would be good by uh, quoting, um, you know, Molo Darges, who writes the New York for the New York Times. I'm not sure. Am I pronouncing that right? I have no idea. That's why I write. Okay. All right. So here's, (laughs) here's his intro. I imagine that the pitch to the studio went something like this. It's today, and Dracula, we'd love to get Cage, is in New Orleans for the tax breaks, out of money, and long story short, almost drained of his powers. He's basically toast, and our guy, the Count's unhappy servant, Renfield, a Nicholas Hute type, relatable, smooth, good-looking, after years of groveling and scarfing bugs, has had it. We want to make this a rocking action movie with lots of blood and kick-ass fights, but also funny. So Renfield enters a codependency group to purge his personal demon. Has anyone heard of Stuart Smalley? Okay. All right, now what's your intro? To to the uh, the movie? Yeah, to Renfield. As as- yeah, I know you were excited to see it. I was excited to see it, but I... Um- for me, what I and I did write about this one. It you know, it's it really uh, 
I wrote more about the trailer than I did about the movie because, and I actually, I don't do this usually. I gave the trailer four stars. <laughs> I gave, I gave the movie two and a half. Okay. Uh, I don't know. You, so you felt like, I, I was like, why is this entertaining to anyone? Well, yeah, it's over the top. I mean, it, it you know, it's very over the top. And of course I knew it would be, because, and that was part of the appeal was Nicholas Cage is so over the top. He's, he's almost made, he has made, I think, overacting an art form. <laughs> and well, he, you know, yeah, that, but that's very generous. And part of why I think people call it, quote, overacting rather than bad acting is yeah. because of the lineage from which he comes. So, um, well, I don't. I, I, I think most I mean, people don't he's even know. I think he's hopeless nephew. I mean, I know, on. but I don't think mo- most people, I don't think, even know that. Well, they do now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah. But I, I, uh, I, I just I like him. I mean, I think he's really funny, even in bad movies, and he makes a lot of bad movies. But mm-hmm. but I enjoy him. Uh, there's something about him. It's almost the way he throws himself into a role. And so when I saw that he was playing Dracula, and in the trailers, it was funny to me. Just him saying "Let's eat," you know, in in that Nicolas Cage way, it cracked me up. But the thing is, the trailer is two minutes and 22 seconds long. <laughs> yeah. The movie is only 93 minutes long, but it's kind of a long 93 minutes because oh, I was done in 15. Yeah. Yeah. Because it gets, it does get old fast. It gets well, old fast. You know, I've been thinking a lot about him because um, I'm on Clubhouse. I'm in this uh, film forum where I'm on a panel there. And they were talking about looking forward to this movie the way you did. And we were talking about Nicolas Cage. And here's what I thought from a psychological perspective. Okay, he comes from this amazing lineage in film. And he's sort of a guy who doesn't work hard at things. You know, he became obsessed with Elvis. And then he, you know, picked up with Elvis's daughter. And then they got married. And then they were divorced in a month. And, you know, he's that He's that guy who messes up, who comes from an extremely wealthy and prominent family. And so he becomes the cast clown and he and he never can take himself seriously because he can't compete with the enormity of the people in his family. So that's that's the way if we look at if we look at him psychologically from that perspective. And I called my friend Chris, who listens to our podcast. And she said, psychologically, that's a really interesting take. But when you go to Moonstruck or Raising Arizona, and my favorite Nicolas Cage movie is Guarding Tess. Do you remember that film? I love Guarding Tess. You know, and I don't know if it was Shirley MacLaine. Yeah. Shirley MacLaine, well, I mean, I don't know if that's what made him. Here's the way I looked at it. Shirley MacLaine said to him, I'm going to take you seriously and don't fuck it up. Yeah. And so he, he really worked that role and yeah. he played it straight and he didn't do anything over the top and he showed frustration and i think she brought out in him you belong on this stage with me and i'm going to hold you accountable and i mm. feel like the second thing is he's run out of money a number of times he owed the irs a bunch of money so he yeah. a lot of these films he's had to do he's under a lot of pressure self-imposed but so i think nicholas cage has potential i just don't think he's reached it that's my that's my long take on it. Yeah, I I uh I think that he 
Well, first of all, have you ever seen him in Leaving Las Vegas? Yeah. I mean, I thought, you know, he won Best Actor, not that I really care about the Oscars, but but I thought that he deserved it. I thought he was amazing in that. I think it was suited to his style of going all out. I mean, he was... But who were, who were his... Count, you know, by the way, I hadn't thought of that, but you're absolutely right. Who's Who was he with in that movie? Elizabeth, Elizabeth Shue, who... Okay who was also great. And I can see where you're maybe going where she grounded him in a way, because even though, she, you know, she's, she's playing, um, you know, I suppose you could say hooker with a heart of gold, but she didn't make it into a cliche. It was a very, I think, grounded performance that kind of, well, at least it complemented very well. I think his performance, which is so, Again, it's kind of, I guess when I say over the top, um, you know, it, it's just, it, it's, it's all in and, and very emotional and, and excessive. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. For me, it almost always works because if, it, if it's not necessarily a good performance, it cracks me up. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. You know, but, but. For leaving Las Vegas, certainly, I thought it did work, and and it it was he was heartbreaking, uh, his character based on a real person. Right, I mean, you're right. Excellent, excellent example. But maybe it was the people he was playing with that didn't. You know, it's like it's like the class clown. The class clown never becomes the clown if he's not encouraged in the class. Yeah, he has to laugh him. They egg him on or whatever. If and I remember one teacher saying telling me this story about the class clown. And she said, she kept taking him very seriously. Mm. I I, you know, she would ask the, him in front of the class, I'd like your opinion on this. Mm. And he changed because someone took him seriously. I, I just, yeah. that's the way I see Cage. I don't know. But um, what about yeah. Moonstruck? He was, but see, she, you know, Cher is not somebody who would bring out that great actor thing in him, you know? But she was, she was very... You might be onto something as as far as as the people that he works with affecting. Although you could probably say that about any actor that whoever yeah, you're working with, yeah, you no, know, you yeah. work with Robert Duvall, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. Um, but uh, I thought, I mean, she was, you know, it wasn't like Cher being Cher, Cher and Moonstruck. Cher's a great actor. She's a very good actor. No and problem. she and she was, you know, complete, probably very unlike what she's really like in real life. But it was the kind of role where he could have gone really over the top. Meaning, yeah. you know, it was the kind of role that where he goes out of control a little bit, or oh, something. Yeah. You know, yeah. versus guarding Tess, where there was not there was none of that to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. But it's I love I love gardening Tess. I, I yeah. you know, that's a, that is a um, I've seen it many times. And Me it's, yeah. it's this little it's this little gem that people should seek out if they haven't seen it, because it's the kind of movie that people would think, oh, it's just a you know, it's just a comedy with two big stars. And nah, you know, it's got it. a lot of stuff going on in it. I yeah. Think. It's got yeah. a lot of relationship yeah. stuff going on. It's got a lot of aging issues. It's got a lot of you know, professional frustration. I mean, I think there's a lot going on in that. Film. Oh yeah. And he, he is really good in it. And I, not to keep agreeing with you, but I do, I do agree <laughs> that it, it it's uh, it shows that he can play it relatively straight. Yeah, I know. He, 
the man has is capable. I just don't think he believes in himself. And I think that he's the family fuck up. And so they all don't take him seriously. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that. I think for me, I guess the way I perceive Nicholas Cage is that he has decided at some point, and maybe it's just a natural thing for him, but it's either that, or at some point he decided, I'm just, I'm just going to go all out every time. And, and, Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, look, Laurence Olivier, uh, it was um, in some ways, I think, not meant for the screen. Like in in movies, many times, you know, he's because of his theater background, he's projecting to the to the people in the the back seat, you know, the the. uh, uh, back rows of the audience, whereas uh, you know you get some, again like oh, he, rock- you, you're saying he was he was made for the stage rather than film. Yeah, a little bit. You know, in some ways he's a little bit over the top. Well, I was I mean, going to say, but that over the top that way is one. Over the top is different than out of control. Yeah, and Nicolas Cage is out of control. But I think it's him taking the chance. I think it's him going for it, and maybe. Yeah, I think it's bad acting, you know. Yeah, well, it's a you know that that's understandable. By the but way, I, everybody yeah. on this panel too. I what was surprised me was people are on one side or the other. Yeah, you know, crazy genius or out of control bad acting. You know, like I, I you know, there's not very rarely were there people in the middle who said, "Oh, I can see both." You know, yeah, yeah. that's interesting, and I can yeah. see that. I guess I would be more on the genius side of it. I yeah. love I love Nicolas Cage. I don't I don't like a lot of his movies, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> Again, he, a lot of them he didn't like either. He took them because he needed the money, you know. Yeah. In other words, or, or, yeah. I mean, you or can't, he likes the work. He might like the work too, even if it's well, he not. He didn't work for a number of years, and then that's when he got in financial trouble, and then he came back. Mm-hmm. And, I don't, I think he's, I just think he's a lost soul, so to speak, you know, but anyway, we wish him well. So would you recommend people go see Renfield? What is your thought on it then? I I mean, two and a half star movies are the hardest to write about most of the time because I don't feel strongly either way. I, I, uh, I don't think anybody's missing anything if they don't go. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, But I don't think. I think it's okay. You know, it's like, there's so many other things to see that are better. So if, you know, for somebody who sees almost everything, I didn't mind that, you know, didn't mind seeing it. I've seen a lot worse. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure that's a vote of confidence. Yeah, no, no. Oh, I know. I know. It's, um, but I, yeah, I mean, if it, you know, if we got all Siskel and Ebert thumbs up, thumbs down, which I I think is one of the great disservices that she that they did, and I I love them, but love them, but uh, I would probably give it a thumbs down, but it wouldn't be an uh, you know. Look, I, you know, he's got such a big following yeah. that, and people love Dracula. I was reading about Dracula and the history of Dracula, and why is Dracula still entertaining for people after yeah. hundreds of years of you know the story? You know, is the story? You know, yeah. and. Um, it is. And so people will go to see it because it's Dracula and it's Nicholas yeah. Cage as Dracula. And that's absolutely. Good- yeah. So here's something, this is a tangent, but, uh, um, why do you think, what do you think it is about Dracula? 
Well, I wouldn't know because you don't find any, I think it's a boy thing. A what? A boy thing. Really? I don't think women are find Dracula entertaining, engaging, or educational. You know, I call it the three E's. If a movie yeah. is entertaining, engaging, and educational, then it's a home run for me. Yeah, yeah. But I, you can be one of those three things, and I'll and I'll you know certainly documentaries might be educational, not necessarily entertaining, engaging. So I'll take any of the three E's. But uh, you know, I don't I don't see where Dracula has any value to me. I think I think Dracula, and this is just off the top of my head, but I think I think it has to do. Um, to some degree with people being flawed and not being able to help themselves completely and being like almost helplessly flawed, like that they, um, they can't help themselves to some degree. And the, and, and related to that is I think it's about addiction too, that, I mean, like Dracula needs blood. So it turns him into a bad guy. If he didn't need the blood, if he didn't have that compulsive behavior, you know, maybe he'd just be this elegant, cool guy who then dies. But instead, he's he's immortal and and he's well, always going for blood. And maybe it's a maybe it's about sex. Maybe it's about you know how, um, you know that uh, you know if you took sex out of the equation, that would get rid of a lot of bad behavior, <laughs> especially on the part of guys. I think. Dracula to me would be more passion over sex. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, well, it could be, could be. I mean, see now. Well, now here's a switch. I, I think you're taking you know, more generous approach. Really wonderful what you said. I'm going to look at Dracula a bit differently. Mm. But anyway, was- I, don't, I do not recommend this film. But it leads into no. the next film we were going to do, which is Mafia Mama. Oh my god! The one you chose, like you're not allowed to choose next week. I'm doing, I'm doing it. You know, okay, like, good, good. No, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm like, oh my! First of all, I love Tony Collette. Did you see her in Unbelievable, the seven part series about a girl? Uh, 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 oh no! I, you know, I've always wanted to see that. And I oh haven't. my god! If you do nothing else, see her in that. At okay. one point, she's with her partner, who's equally brilliant, and I don't remember her name, but. Um, and they do a seven-minute conversation in a car with no action. It's just conversation. Yeah. And the director and the writer went back and forth a hundred times saying, you can't do seven minutes on the screen. Like, it won't work. Yeah. And they said, well, let's shoot it. And then we can edit it down. So finally, they ended up shooting the seven minutes. All seven minutes is in there. And you have no idea you were in there for seven minutes. It's yeah. Yeah. It's such a great show and for me that cemented her as one of the great actors but unfortunately because she's not a great beauty or not she doesn't have a lot of femininity to her and in my experience women actors who are great but don't have a lot of femininity sometimes don't get their due because they just don't so mm-hmm. so i you know anything she's in i'm all in and then you know we've got this yeah. middle-aged writer you know who's dealing with her son leaving for college and then a sexist boss. And, uh, you know, she finds out her husband's having an affair and then she, her grandfather dies. She goes over to Italy and it, all of a sudden she realizes he wants her to be the new Dawn of, yeah. of his, the mafia family, which by the way, conceptually having a female Dawn is a really interesting concept. Yeah. More like Donna, but, but anyway, and then I just thought, 
it's so violent and they're trying to mix violence with comedy to yeah. the point where it was dissonant for me. It's like, this does not work. You can't go from that scene and then pretend it's funny. You just can't. Well, the other thing though, is it just isn't funny. Well, there's that. Is that, but see, I thought maybe there was a reason it wasn't funny. You're saying even if there wasn't the violence, it wouldn't be funny. I think, I think it's not funny because I mean, obviously humor is that's subjective too, but I thought it wasn't funny because it was moronic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I mean, like, you're right. Moronic been, is not funny, right? It's not. Well, you, although even that's subjective because how do you explain why? I like the Three Stooges. I never did. I never laughed, not once. Yeah. Well, you I know, uh, kid and all my friends are laughing, and I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah. Jay Leno uh, said that. Um, are we allowed to swear in this? Uh, yes, this we thing? are. Um, uh, Jay Leno once said that um, the difference between men are, and women are that men think the Three Stooges are funny, and women think they're assholes. <laughs> and. Um. Yeah, And I, I actually interviewed him and I asked him about that. I said, so, you know, you've really studied the the Three Stooges to that extent? He goes, well, I wouldn't call myself a stoogeologist. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny. I thought he's, that he's line, a very smart, clever man, I think. Yeah. I thought that line was much funnier than anything in, in Mafia Mama. When she says... Um, let's see if I wrote this down. Uh, Why does she do it? Why does someone with her chops do a film like that? Is it for the money? Why did she do it? Well, she was the, one of the producers too. So she put her money into it. Prob it could have something to do with what you were talking about as far as maybe where she's viewed more as a dramatic, almost, a, almost a, a, a character actress. Yeah, she is. And, um, you know, I think a lot of character actors want to be stars. So she produces a movie. She's the star and she's front and center of this movie. Uh, John Turturro, um, uh, I remember uh, he made a movie called uh, Mac. And then he's directed some other movies where he, uh, but in Mac, he was the star. And, and before that, he had been always in supporting roles and a great supporting actor. Um, actually he got mad at, he got mad at me. I think, um, we were doing this small press conference with him at a, this Italian restaurant in the North end of Boston. And I was trying to compliment him and not kiss his butt, but I meant this sincerely. I thought he was great in the movie Miller's Crossing. He was and he, he plays this weasel. And I said, and I was trying to ask him, okay, you're, he had just come out with Mac and I, or was just coming out with it. And I was trying to get inside his head, the idea of becoming going from character actor to leading man. And I said, when I saw um, Miller's crossing, uh, it reminded me almost of like Peter Lorre, who to me, that's like the highest compliment. I love Peter Lorre, but clearly John Turturro didn't because in this thing, he goes, Peter Lorre, Peter Lorre. And this friend of mine who was writing for Variety turns to me and he just goes, he didn't like that. 
You know, it's funny because, you know, everybody, again, everybody has their point of view about somebody. And, I yeah. some, you know, somebody sent me recently, I think you'd really like this book. And it was, and I thought, why would you think that I would like this book? I'm not going to go into what it was about, but yes. it, was, it was so insulting to me. And I'm sure her intention was not to insult me because no. she wants me to do some favors for her and she just wouldn't do that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just never know. You never know where it's going. But so Mafia Mama, like what's, you know, these are the movies, by the way, what's really shocking to me, these are also the films that are in the theaters now. A lot of the films mm-hmm. are coming out, you know, on streaming. So, and what's shocking to me is the ones that I'm starting to really enjoy are on streaming first. They're not in the theaters. Yeah. No, I know you're right. I, yeah. I agree. I, I agree. I mean, there's. I, I was pretty surprised that Mafia ma- uh, Mama made it to the big screen. No, uh, I mean, like well, we haven't we haven't even really given an example. Of the humor, like here's an example of the humor, and this is one of the not crude ones. And there's a lot of crude ones, but like she says. When she's trying to figure out whether what they're expecting of her, the the mobster, she goes, I'm still in the dark here. And so one of the uh, mafioso, they they turn on a lamp. Like, I'm still in the dark here. It turns on a lamp. Well, I mean, that you know, that's like that bordering on slapstick that's not funny in my mind. But oh, I never find those things. I mean, it's sort of like yeah. it's obvious, really. That's the best you could come up with. Oh, it's horrible. And that's you know what I kept horrible. thinking about. I kept thinking about the concept of a woman becoming the mafia boss is really interesting because I don't think it's been done before. I don't know about it being done before. Yeah. So it was an interesting concept. And then I thought, okay, it's so patriarchal. That they think the only that way they can do that is to make it absurd. Like, you know, sometimes, by the way, and I saw this a lot 10, 15 years ago, women had to be absurd. It's sort of like when you looked at um, what was that movie where the guy comes home after being a POW in the Middle East for like eight years? It wasn't a movie. It was a series, seven year series. And Carrie was her name. Um, and so this FBI agent figures out he's a double agent now. Um, mm. anyway, and they had to make her, she was like a drug addict, crazy girl. They couldn't, she just couldn't be great, you know, without being somewhat absurd. And I found, I found that true, which is one of the reasons, and it's a great leading to the next thing, you know, Carrie Russell, did you watch the series, the Americans by chance? No, uh, I've always that's one I've wanted to see, but I've never you seen it. You gotta start moving over to streaming, my friend. But the Americans is Carrie Russell, and she is an agent, a, a Russian agent, which by the way is based on the truism of Russia in the 60s and late 50s and 60s sent a lot of uh people over to pretend they were married couples to spy. Yeah. And it was very successful. And then one was caught in one couple was caught in New Jersey. But anyway, it's based on that. Karen mm-hmm. Russell met her husband in it. Okay, Netflix today, we're taping on Friday the uh, 21st, Netflix today dropped a new series called The Diplomat, where Carrie Russell is the first ambassador, woman ambassador, and she's married to a man who had been ambassador. So there's the friction with that, and there's all things going on in, in, in the Middle East and all things happening, and it looks really, really good. And I realized that Carrie Russell in the Americans was the first 
time, a woman got to play a really strong leading role without being absurd in some ways. There was no, nothing absurd about Carrie Russell in the in the role of in the Americans in the 90s. Yeah. It came out. So, or no, it's actually a 2000 decade, but yeah. so I can't wait to see it. I'd love to hear, you know, from our listeners if anybody else is looking forward to, but I think Carrie Russell again is one of those actors. She never moved to screen to film. She's always stayed in series, but she's compelling when you watch her. She's a really good actor. Mm. To get back to what you were saying about, uh, you know, the, uh, the absurdity, I, I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure who is to blame. I don't know if it, like you mentioned it being patriarch, uh, patriarchal, that's possible. I mean, I, you know, I uh, the director in Mafia Mama is a woman. Um, the star, well, the star is obviously, the top two stars are. And, and also, uh, I can't remember who wrote the screenplay, but the, I think, I'm I'm not sure, but uh, and obviously Tony Collette was one of the producers, and I've seen a lot of movies like okay if one th- I mean it's also such a hypocritical movie I mean really it's supposedly it has all this crap in it and then it has this message of female empowerment she doesn't need a man to valid she doesn't uh, mafia mama she doesn't need a man to validate her. That's, you know, it has this sort of phony right. mess, you know, feminist message. And what I've, what I've found. Yeah, but is- it's, it's stupidly presented. By the way, I, again, have a book of fiction coming out in January. And it is a woman's progress toward recognizing she doesn't have to have the approval of everybody else. And it's a thriller. So it's interesting. Yeah. But it's true. When it's done that way, it's insulting. It's not exactly. It's like, and what I'm finding is like uh, a lot of times I'm seeing, and this movie does is so bad it doesn't even qualify. But I'm seeing some movies um, where, like, there was one with Melissa McCarthy where she was a a a, a, a mobster's uh, uh, wife who ends up because all the mobsters go to prison. So the women take over, but a lot of those movies, it's like, instead of celebrating women and it, and I think they are like, they, they sell themselves as being feminist movies, like hustlers about the strippers with uh, you're talking about the kitchen. What's that? You're talking about the kitchen with Melissa McCarthy. Yes. Yeah. The kitchen. And Elizabeth Moss was in that a very serious, fabulous. Yeah. And yeah. And pretty bad movie though. And uh, the um, hustlers with Jennifer uh, Lopez, where they're strippers and they get. You want, you want when you're, you know, there's marketing in movies too. And so you want the boyfriend to go to the movie with the woman. The woman, but here's the thing: the woman buys the tickets. But and I'm telling you that when the women are too strong, it's very guys don't like those films. I mean, we it's data driven. This is you know this is data driven. That statement. It's not just my opinion. So what I was talking about was Carrie Matheson, who was played by Claire Danes in the um, in the Homeland uh, series, one of the strongest series out there with Mandy Patinkin. Great job on Mandy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And 
again, Carrie had to be crazy or she wasn't mm. palatable. I mean, they did a whole study on it. She yeah. wasn't palatable. They needed the men to want to watch that show. You know, Sunday nights on HBO, you had to have both sexes. Yeah. Okay, they have to do something so the guys are not intimidated by these incredibly powerful positions. Now, I think it's changing. It's changing also because people like Reese Witherspoon are picking the content that we're viewing. So they're just not going to allow that to continue. However, I think I can give you t- example after example after example. Or it's like, how come this great person needs to be a little off? Why is mm. that? You know, every time men don't have, you know, you don't have men who have to be off. You know, why mm. do women have to be off? So mm. I don't know. I think, you know, there are numerous examples around it, but and I love that Carrie Russell was not one of them. And the Americans was early enough that I'm surprised they didn't make her a little off, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But like, I don't, I think a movie like The Kitchen or Widows, I think it's meant to appeal to women. I don't think it's, I don't see anything. That I can kid flicks. You're right. Yeah. When, there's, when there's six women on the screen, you know, when there are six women, it, in a, it's an ensemble cast. But I'm talking about serious crime or where it's not, you know, all of those are rom-com sort of jokes, funny, whatever. This is different. You know, Homeland is not that, you know. And so I think time and time again, you're going to see that when it is that kind of film where a guy wants to, they want the guy to go, she's just got to be more palatable. I don't Mm. know. Be interesting. I mean, you're. I think you'll watch for it now. You might see it more, and I'll I'll try to come up with some other examples. But now, so I can't wait to see that watch. Now, is there anything you watched this week you want to share with anybody? I saw a movie, uh, Carmen, uh, based on uh, well, very very loosely based on the Bizet or however you say it uh, opera. Um, it's it's dance. Uh, it. Paul Mescal, who was, uh, he stars in it, but, and the, the one who plays Carmen is uh, Melissa Barrera, who was in, in the Heights and she's been in some other things. Is it out now? Can it be seen or it's coming out today? Oh, okay. Uh, Again, this was one I haven't written about yet, but it's a really very interesting movie about, uh, it's a, it's a young couple on the run kind of thing. Uh, you know she's uh, esca- uh, she's escaping from Mexico in- while going into the United States, so it's one of those deals. But uh, and uh, Paul Mescal plays a guy who's sort of working as a border patrol volunteer, but he kind of saves her from a situation, and then they're on the run. But it's it's a largely dance, and uh, and it's surrealistic. It's uh, I think I think you would like that because that one is more um, certainly that is a more balanced thing where I mean, look, it's called Carmen. She's really the main character. Uh, And, uh, you know, and it's not where she's I mean, she's not weak at all. She's strong. And and, you know, it's about there's a line in it, something like. What's important, it's funny how, you know, okay, I'm 68, and it's funny how there's still some basic things that once in a while, like, oh, my gosh, that makes a lot of sense. Maybe I should think about that. Then you would think, yeah, it would have been good if you thought about that maybe 50 years ago. 
but but uh it's like it's what's important is knowing who you are and where you're going and i thought wow that's really cool and that by the way those words are delivered by a woman not a man in the movie um no, but it's, it's all changing but if you look historically yeah. in the last 20 years yeah you know the yeah. patterns i'm talking about are everywhere they just yeah yeah, no, I, I I get that. And wait, and, what's uh, the, again? What's the name of this? Because I'm Carmen. Carmen. It's funny. I did not see it coming out, but I'm going to check it out. It's yeah, it'll pro- it's probably going to be more in art houses. You know, it's it's that kind of a movie because it's you know a lot of dance instead. You know the and actually it's funny too because it's lately I've been seeing a lot of things that really. You know, again, it's it's sort of an old question or old questions. Why do artists do what they do? Why? Uh, what is the purpose of art? When I saw this movie, when I saw Carmen, my my mom's younger sister was a ballet dancer, and she still is a choreographer and stuff. And I, it made after seeing this movie, it made me think, man, I gotta I gotta contact Aunt Marlene and ask her. And and why haven't I ever ever occurred to me to ask her, what does it feel like to be a dancer? Like, why do you do it? What do you get out of it? Is it, I mean, is there this consciousness of it expressing life? Is it, you know, is it, is it a, a manifestation of, of your emotions and your reaction to life or, or is it just that it feels good? And then of course, then it's also, why do I write? You know, what is it about, you know, and, so then, I mean, just a quick segue. There's another movie showing up. Wait, wait. Uh, before you get into your segue, oh yeah, yeah. in 1977, the turning point again. Yeah. Anne, Anne Bancroft and Shirley MacLaine. Yeah. Amazing film. You yeah. know, early for its time, it was shocking. My friends and I throw. You know, we went to it. We saw it twice because we yeah. never could see that ourselves on the screen that way. And yeah. really, I think that movie shows what it's like to be a dancer. Interesting. Yeah. I, I can see that. The pain, the pleasure, all of it. I, yeah. it, I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I, I took a ballet class and at the recital, I, all I had to do is stand up and flower, be a flower and open up. But yeah. unfortunately when I was standing up, there was a bumblebee going by and I hit, <laughs> I hit her by mistake. And then she hit the tree next to me and the bitch started crying. And then everybody started crying. And then I was like, nobody got hurt here. I made a little bit, you know, like, what's the big deal? I think I was seven, six. They were weeping widow. Oh, please. And then the ballet teacher said to my father afterward, we're going to move her to tap dancing because I don't think she's meant to be. And I was so. Oh, no. I know. So I just want you to know, I never really was oh, very good no. in that arena. But if you want to know what it's like to be a ballet dancer as a woman, the turning point 1977 is worth Yeah, that is a really good movie. Yeah. That is a good movie. Okay, and now, uh, yeah, Bar- Barishnikov and Leslie Brown uh were the young lovers. So you, you had dancers of Leslie Brown who was a ballet Her dancer. Body was in it. He's in it. You're right, right? Yeah, yeah. And very uh as far as as far as dance um expressing passion when the two young dancers when Barishnikov and Leslie Brown are dancing together seems to me that some of those scenes were very uh 
Well, also, Bryce McCoff and White Knights was also what it's like to be. Remember White Knights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and Gregory Hines and yeah. Isabella Rossellini. Yeah. I mean, it's a great movie also about what it's really like to be a dancer. Mm. I'm yeah. not there's some stuff out there. But anyway, what was the other point you were going to oh, um Showing Up is, is a, a Kelly Reichardt film. Kelly Reichardt did First Cow and Certain Women. Uh, she's a really... Um, she's an auteur. She has her own style. She she puts her personal stamp on her movies. And and usually her movies are very understated. She almost uh um she challenges you not almost like, okay, stick with this. Mm-hmm. See if you cannot be bored by this, because this is going to, for some people, this is going to be like paint, watching paint dry. But <laughs> it's, And Michelle Williams plays a, a sculptor. By the way, and, I, I'll watch her do anything. I'll watch her walk she, across the street. She, um, yeah, she can be. I didn't think she was great in um, The Fablemans, but I've seen, yeah, some of the stuff she's been in, um, Manchester by the Sea, um, uh, and by the way, by, by far and away her finest work, but also she played Marilyn Monroe in a way that I thought was really unique and wonderful. Yeah, she's a really, really good actress. Yeah. Really and also, good you actress. can tell she's had a lot of pain in her life, that she yeah. feels yeah. things deeply. Sometimes you can tell an actor feels things deeply, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't feel that way when I watch Meryl Streep personally, you know, who I've met a couple of times on a film we were bringing to the Academy Awards, a documentary. But, and I don't, I didn't get the same, you know, but when you, Michelle Williams, she's just, she hurts probably. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And, and Manchester by the sea, especially it's like, oh my God, she made me want to cry. I mean, she was just so. I don't remember. I don't think she did. I don't think she, she was nominated. I don't think she won, but I thought it was the performance. I know her Academy Awards, you know, they're they're not worth their time, but. All right, then I thought we could end with um that's that's a great idea. So there's a couple movies we should go see, but yeah. also I mentioned last week that Jennifer Garner was they were dropping Reese Witherspoon was dropping the last thing he told me, which was I think it sold four million copies. It was a novel that came out about three years ago. Reese Witherspoon bought it. But I was curious because the novel takes place mostly in the protagonist Jennifer. Gardner in this situation in her head. And I wasn't Mm -hmm. sure how they were going to portray it. Now, first of all, they made it into a seven part series. It really belongs as an hour and a half movie. And it would be, would have been great. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's like, all right, I'm already, I've just watched the third episode this morning and I'm sort of, I'm sort of like, you know what, why do you, I know you do this for financial reasons, but this story is not a seven part story. But anyway, Mm -hmm. Jennifer Garner, first of all, do you remember her when she was in Alias, that series? Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I always found her appealing and I always wanted to see it. But for some reason, I don't know if it was on a night that I couldn't watch it or what, but I never I never watched it. Well, she's very physical in Alias and she's yeah. really good. And I remember, you know, she was young and, you know, just physical and muscular. And she just could, you know, she, any action she did, it was like ballet. And then... Yeah. So she, in the beginning of this show, she starts running and I'm like, you know, even at my height of my cuteness in my twenties, when, if I ran, I didn't look like that. 
<laughs> and she still, all these years later, runs, and you're like, that's the way girls should run. You know, she, <laughs> she's so physical. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, already I was in love with her at the very beginning with just that yeah. opening. But secondly, she's got depth, and she always takes these roles that don't give her any because she's cute. She's the girl next door cute. She's yeah. the field cute. But Sally got yeah. out of that. Jennifer Garner did. She, um, she maybe the best thing I've seen her in or her best performance that I've seen is in Juno supporting role. She played, you know, the movie Juno about uh, oh, Juno, yeah, amazing, yeah. yes, yes. And she, you know, she's a woman who because she had there was a depth to the there was so the, much depth yes. to her, and and you know, and she expressed so much with such economy. And yet with, you know, when you think of economy, you might think, okay, well, it's cursory, but it isn't. It's like, it's she, like you just said, she, there's so much depth there that she portrays in so many different. Whoever's managing her things. is not giving her the roles, but I love what you just said about her economy. You're right. And by the way, when she runs, she runs with economy. Like, mm, you know, mm. she's not splayed all over the place. She's really. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. I love that. I love that association with her um, because she's got a lot more potential than she's allowed herself to obtain. So now that might be one. That might be one where uh, I could see that it's it's the it's the system. I could see where that that one where yeah, but Sally um, Fields got out of that system. What's that? Sally Fields got out of that system. Yeah, you're right. And a flying nun. I mean, you can't get more in the system, right? Than that, right? right. Okay, right. and then she went to Gidget, and right. but she won two Academy Awards for playing. Yeah. You know, I mean, and she had to beg, for, and she had to beg for the role of Lincoln's wife. Had to beg for it, mm. and she was 20 years older than the man playing Lincoln. And yeah. Spielberg didn't want her. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I mean, so she, but I think, you know, I think Sally Fields, I read her biography that her. Yeah, I did too. I did yeah, too. I think she's got a lot more guts and anger than Jennifer Garner. And so, you know, Jennifer's just that nice girl next door, you know, and she's yeah. making baby food and she's just doing other things. But I am so happy for her because this role, because a lot of it takes place in her head. And you're right. I didn't have the word, but economy is the right word, Tam, mm -hmm. with what she's doing in this role. So a lot of we have to see what she's thinking and she's giving it to us and she's doing it with economically. She wow, that's, you know, that's interesting. That makes it. I don't know if it's going to be a great series because it shouldn't be a series. However, yeah. she's she's she took the role and she's she's winning with it. It's good. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. I you know, it's like. You never know. I mean, unless you unless you know these people, you never know if if your favorite actor, if you would like the person or not. My sense is that she's a really nice. You know, I root for her. Absolutely. There's something there. It's like she is an amazing actress if she isn't sweet because she she does project a certain sweetness. Uh, you know uh, that. You know, I, I don't know. But if, I, I think that's her Midwest girl next door. Your parents taught you to be pleasing. She uses that. It's a tool for her to be likable. Yeah. 
truth is I've seen her in interviews when she can go a little bit to that look of don't go here, you know, oh, like, interesting. Yeah. Got, yeah. But I, I actually would love to have lunch with her. I think we'd be friends. She does yeah. Instagram. She does a non-cooking cooking show. She's, she's totally enamored with Anna garden. And if you're not following her on Instagram, you should just cause it's fun to watch her cook amazing sense of humor, but I'm telling you, she's yeah. in it, win it, you know, so yeah. Anyway, Good for her. And she left Ben, yeah. you know, she left Ben. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Left him in the, in the dust, you know, yeah. that was easy, you know, so yeah. I sort of put her in line with who was married to Tom Cruise and left him while he was on a set. Nicole Kidman. No, no. Katie Nicole. Holmes. Katie Holmes. Or? Katie Holmes. Katie uh-huh. Holmes learned from this breakup of Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, you know, Tom Cruise orchestrated that, and then she lost her children and everything else. And I think Katie Holmes was much smarter. And the way mm. she handled, you know, and she's got that cute girl next door thing going on too. But yeah. she's got a hardness underneath her. And I think Garner has it. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. She'd use it. I wish her agent would bring her better roles or push for her. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, Katie Holmes. She has a new, um, do you mean Katie Holmes or? or well, I was Jen- talking about Jennifer, but oh, Katie, Jennifer Garner. You know, I don't think she takes great roles either, you know? She said she's taken some there's she actually has a movie out now. I haven't seen it, but it's, uh, you know, I, she sometimes takes some independent films that, you know, I, sort of like Michelle Williams. I mean, they both came from that um, Dawson's Creek. And you'd think, well, is that going to define them? But they've taken chances. And, you know, Michelle Williams, boy, you, you know, she she left Dawson's Creek in the dust. I mean, she. Yeah, she, she really. Katie Holmes did not. You no, not no. Still feel Katie Holmes in Dawson's Creek, but Michelle Williams, you forget she was even in it because she's yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But so what a great week! I can't wait for next week. We've finished up with our hour, but you know, thanks Tim for bringing you know what you bring to this. It's been great. It's been mm-hmm. great. And our you know, thank you everybody who wrote in and said you loved hearing him. He um. He's a really nice guy. He's like, like he's like the Katie Holmes and Jennifer Garner, and I'm, I'm like not. You know, I haven't I, mean? I haven't left Dawson's Creek behind. <laughs> really, I never watched it not once. No, no. I actually I watched it with my kids. I think I watched it with my daughter uh, when she because she was at just the right age. She was like I think a, a adolescent. You know. Well, anyway, thank you for being here. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And we're going to continue to do us. And we've been picked up by Spotify. So you can find us on Spotify and follow us there, too. And click on Spotify if you can, because that will help us, too. So thanks for coming and thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, Christine. 